Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Maze Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Macente, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Today's episode is very special, as it's entirely focused on the pharma industry, on subcontracting the work that I do, with a special guest, Chiara Invernizzi, from Italy. Chiara holds a master's degree in medical and pharmaceutical biotechnology. She has 16 years of experience in the CRO branch in various roles, mainly related to side contracts, including a contract specialist, lead, manager, as well as a director role. Prior to joining the CRO space, Chiara worked for three years in preclinical research and contracts and investor relations in a small Italian biotech company. Chiara's passion for excellence in client management and effectiveness in completing a negotiation rapidly, as well as a natural focus on metrics and analytics, have always been traits that distinguished her work and approach to set contracts. In her spare time, Chiara likes to relax with her family, work out, and read leadership books. I'm so excited to speak to Chiara, and please enjoy our conversation. Hi, Chiara. Hello. Welcome to the Maze Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hope you're well as well. Yes, everything is fine. And actually, I was looking forward to this interaction, Chiara. So I'm sure that uh, this episode that we are going to record uh, is going to be amazing. So uh, let's start because I have already shared with the audience a little bit of your background and your experience. And I also uh, mentioned that we both are working in the pharma industry inside contracting, when of course we deal with the negotiations and customer relationships across different and multiple levels. So I have a question for you because uh, many people think that negotiations belong only to contracts, uh, but actually I think that each person on a daily basis negotiates something in her or his ordinary life. Can you please share with us your perspective on what does negotiation mean and why is it interesting and actually speaking about it nowadays? Interesting question. Thank you for, for it. Um, yeah, you're right. Everybody negotiating their daily life and you know um, and there is this from my perspective this misperception about negotiation it's known like they think and people think it's just for lawyers for big deals Mm -hmm. uh, implying very much like a lot of discussion big files and fighting and corporate lawsuit and this type of things in reality uh, we we do negotiate in our daily life every single day think about the negotiation with your kids or with your partner with you know with our partners families but as well friends and when we buy things uh, at times we negotiate and in certain culture as well um, it's outrageous not to negotiate on price. Yeah. So we do really negotiate daily, even if we don't realize. Yeah. And for me, uh, negotiation indeed is um, having a discussion with uh, parties, one, two, three, maybe multiple parties, and reach an agreement that ideally, and reach an, an agreement ideally as well. I mean, at times you don't even agree or reach an agreement, but technically you would like to reach an agreement that satisfies your needs in line with what your goals are and yeah. that, that you have an outcome that you really wanted out of that conversation. Of yeah. course, we can have more 
or less complex negotiations. And based on the complexity, you may have or may need uh, more or less advanced negotiation skills. And there are like, there is one point that is really important for me is being aware that everybody has a different style, different interest, and yeah. can conduct negotiation differently. And being aware of that will help you navigate and get the best outcome of uh, out of the negotiation. I think one of the key skills that uh, for a negotiator, whatever is the topic of the negotiation, is the active listening. Yeah really understanding the other party or the other parties and then based on that tailor your approach there is an example that i i it's very basic but i like um to quote from time to time um especially you know even when we work and i call it the orange examples there are two kids who see um an orange on a table and they both want that orange and they start fighting it's mine i saw it first and then they seek for help from mom dad parent and uh that mom says ask the key question why do you both want the same orange and the reason is um you know the first kid says i want the peel of it and because of the parfum and the other one is saying oh i need the juice so immediately the two kids realize that they want the orange for two different reasons and they can be both satisfied with one orange. And this is the crux of the negotiation, getting the best out of a discussion, out of some contentious um, situation. Um, Of course, it's not always easy as in the orange example, and the more you get into complex negotiation, the more you need to have a strategy and the preparation up front. But the key point is really um, to keep an attitude of collaboration, smile, and really try to understand the other parties and the interest and have clear in mind what will be the desired outcome and what are the points that you um, you, you accept to, to negotiate and compromise on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, all these insights, Chiara. I do agree with you on everything that you sh- that you said. And of course, uh, we can say that the negotiation is a process, right? Uh, uh, that yes. starts and of course that needs uh, to end. But of course, it is a process and we have different phases. We have different approaches and it's about communication, as you said. So it's about uh, analyzing uh, uh, the other party, analyzing what we can do, what we can bring, uh, what we can uh, um, uh, uh, bring it to, to the negotiation uh, how we can collaborate uh, in order to find this common ground that of course uh, is uh, um, uh, the objective of the negotiation in order to reach uh, uh, an agreement between the parties yes. um it's, yes. it's interesting so also to understand uh, how um, each person can negotiate on daily basis because uh, each one of us has a family, has a partner, has um, kids uh, or friends. Uh, and uh, it's so interesting to see how uh, negotiating is not just about, you know, uh, a certain niche uh, of a business, but is uh, also something that belongs to the human being, right? Uh, yes. uh, being humans means also uh, negotiating uh, with others uh, on daily basis. So. Thanks a lot for for sharing uh, uh, those insights uh, with us. Uh, 
Um, let's move forward because uh, I have another question for you, uh, Chiara. Now, let's deep dive uh, a little bit uh, um, in the business, the work that we do. Um, we have seen a transformation in the pharma industry that started during the pandemic. And uh, of course, it's not over. What are the things, in your opinion, that uh, changed in our industry and the things that instead are now over? Okay, thank you very much as well. This is an interesting question and as well the pandemic was an interesting very peculiar period of of our lives i would yeah. say and um yeah in our industry the pharma industry the cro so the clinical research organization we um saw a lot of the changes very much linked to the pandemic first of all we saw a massive increase of volumes everybody every company strived to have a blockbuster a vaccine a drug to fight and to solve and cure um, COVID. So what we saw was a, a very massive increase of the work on, on our plates, but as well we saw a, a big massive inflation and a lot of failures. A lot of trials didn't really get to even start because you know of failures and proof concepts in adverse events and these things. It was a big push on uh, that side. With increased the volumes, um, we uh, immediately realized that we needed more resources in general, mm -hmm. pharma companies, hospitals, um, CROs as well. But at the same time, we needed to be quick because it was an emergency, a global emer emergency, and maintaining high quality because we have human lives in our hands when we think about drugs so um, what we saw in order to maintain the speed was a big request for resources hospitals were short-staffed but we also needed to be quick and agile in the processes so we saw approvals and ethics evaluations being very quick and even contra negotiation which is more our field was expedited and it had peculiar channels um, for, for review and execution. Mm -hmm. What we are seeing now is that that speed is not there anymore. There is not that urgency anymore. It's more back to normal steady states, but we do see some benefits. Some of the things and then the processes that were improved continue to be to remain improved and we can really have um, reduce timelines for startup of, of clinical trials. Having the quick speed and the need of maintaining high quality pushed a lot to more collaborations internally within the teams, a lot about uh, all the functions in startup being close one to another to ensure smooth transition in the various phases. And it really remained, it, it has always been, but it remains more than ever a key point in the efficient startup of uh, clinical trials. Yeah. We, what we're seeing as well is um, that started with a, with a pandemic and then it's continuing some initiatives to expedite clinical trials. We have the EMEA initiative for the accelerated clinical trials. We see uh, push to harmonize uh, processes uh, like the EUCTR that started before, but it had a big push. And we are now looking at having a harmonized process across the, um, um, you know, the, the countries. Yeah. We yeah. also, 
you know, that, that's a big thing. Um, we also saw a boost in the decentralized or hybrid uh, clinical trials. What is our, I mean, looking at various options instead of having patients necessarily going to the sites, having tools, technologies, uh, people, different processes, having a nurse going to, to patients' houses is, was really a big boost over the past few years. Now it's more stable in terms of the focus of the organizations in these points. But what we are trying to look at is how to harmonize and have perhaps a, a platform where uh, and one system where all these decentralized aspects can fill into. Um, what we are seeing as well is a lot of focus on sites sites and their evolution in networks in yeah. having more um, collaborations and having bigger pop patient populations. That's another thing that we, we saw starting in, in the during the pandemic, but um, it's, it's a still very current reality. Um, we saw changes in the technology as well for the processes. Uh, um, the first time I heard about like electronic signature was probably 2015 and it was pretty quiet, slow adoption until COVID. And yeah. this gave a lot of push that benefited um, the, how expedited we can uh, get a contract signed. Small things uh, that we see, right? Um, but as well, I would say that the key point was really the push for effectiveness and the yeah. collaboration is really playing a role with maintaining and streamlining processes internally um, in the organization. Yeah. The last point I'd like to mention in relation to the changes we see, we saw during the pandemic is in relation to the budgets and the needs and the cost of doing clinical trials. This study designs may get complex. There are political situations that are impacting on the ability of doing clinical trials, but as well on the inflation. So we need to take care and take into account of all these aspects when we do, um, do the contracts, do the clinical trials. The point as well that is really coming up is new markets, like I've seen a big push towards different countries than the usual uh, top countries we always saw in clinical trials and looking at different regions to avoid saturation yeah. and an eye on sustainability, environmental sustainability. This, this is the things that I've seen. Yeah, so thanks a lot for all these insights. And we can say that the pandemic has driven a little bit the transformation and a change that you touched very well with all these topics. Um, if we focus on site contracting itself, because we know that site contracting is part of the startup phase, right? That we do in order to activate a study um, in a specific site. Um, from your perspective, uh, we know that from our experience, and I'm sure that you would agree with me, um, we needed to teach some time, right, to our colleagues that site uh, contracting uh, and the contracts, the CTA that we do, um, is not always uh, the last uh, um, uh, setting stone uh, yes. uh, that uh, we, we need to do in order to activate uh, a site. And sometimes uh, the site contracting part uh, is kept uh, as last, uh, with the last thing that is happening before activating the site. Due to the fact that we have seen a, a change in the effectiveness, in the efficiency, and we are uh, 
um, all focused on improving uh, um, the speed uh, uh, that we need to, to, to have when activating a site. Uh, do you see that maybe this perception of site contracting uh, uh, by uh, our colleagues uh, that are working with us is changed and now site contracting can be even seen uh, as uh, um, a part that is not uh, coming last, but something that is coming in parallel of the startup phase? Or do you see that uh, the things are um, uh, still as they were before the pandemic? I would like to have your insight on that. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's an interesting question. Since I started working in Psychontrast and it's been a few years, quite a few years, um, the Psychontrast are the, the black sheep and uh, the, yeah. the one coming last, the, the rate limiting factor, uh, the delaying yeah. factor at times. Yeah. And in, in all my career, I've tried to fight this perception. I think that with the you know with the pandemic and the fact that we had expedited channels to to get the contracts and the budget negotiated, the perception has changed a bit, but it's not where pers personally I would like to see it. I truly believe that if we have good collaboration with um, the, the various colleagues in the startup, if we have good timing and planning up front, like we don't waste times between when site is selected and when we start the, the contract negotiation, if we set the expectations right with the clients on what is feasible and what is not based on the country nuances, if we plan carefully all, all the timelines of the study and the setup and the scheduling of the uh, SIV, then everything can be expedited and the contract negotiation can go smoothly yeah. uh, and not coming last. Of course, there are certain interdependencies because we know that at times we need the ethical approvals, the area approval, and we cannot sign right away. So it may be that it will always become um, come late as the last piece because of all, all these interdependencies, the point and the focus would need to be how to ensure that it comes, even if last, on time. Yeah. And having a proper negotiation, like using negotiation techniques, using intelligence as we, you know, the companies and the people as well grow their intelligence, their knowledge about that. I'm sure that's good. Um, contract excellence can be built yeah yeah i totally agree with you uh, and uh, this is about this is about the perception that uh, others have about site contracting and um, uh, during my daily work you know i wanted to stand for the site contracting interest as well because sometimes there is this misconception about site contracting but as you mentioned i really feel that we as a team uh, need to collaborate in order to make sure that the site contracting can be seen as a process as something that can be um, managed in parallel and of course uh, something right. that is important as the startup as, um, part uh, as the regulatory or the ethic one in order to make sure that the site can be activated um, on time. Um, uh, I see startup and site contracting as two faces of the same coin and uh, you know yes. we needed to use this coin um, as best as we can in order to ensure that we have um, a, a, a site activation readiness uh, built yes. up uh, in order, and, and be efficient right under this point. Yeah, I, I do truly believe that the startup, when when I say startup, I always consider psychontrast in it. So it's yeah. really not even two two faces of the same coin. It's really one yeah. nuanced diamond where you have all the, the, 
different pieces together and how you collaborate, communicate, uh, work as a team will make the difference. Yeah, for sure will make the difference. And this is, uh, uh, it, it comes down to people, right? Uh, so it's, yes. uh, it's about us and it's about the collaborations that we can have internally uh, between our teams. Um, so thanks a lot for this insight. Uh, um, now, we uh, are in 2024. And uh, I'm sure that the new trends and new perspective uh, um, are brought in the industry from the previous year, right? Where we were a little bit uh, um, getting together to understand uh, um, which were the new trends uh, uh, for this new year, for 2024. Um, now we have, uh, we are more customer focused. We are also more um, site focused. Uh, and in each side uh, and in, in each part, we can see a contract uh, part related to everything that we do. What do you think are the new trends uh, that we will see uh, this year in 2024? And if we saw something changed uh, um, with uh, the perceptions and the, with the perspectives that we had the last year? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, it's an interesting question. We are kind of mid, mid of 2024, um, January 2024, so 15 days in the year. And yeah. um, I've been following the different trends across the, the industry for, for a while. And uh, I think that overall for clinical trials and as a reflection in contrast, we will see different perspective different changes um, that will come into force more and more and perhaps they will start this year and continue over you know the changes are never super quick unless there is something uh, you know urgent coming up that forces uh, the speed I would say that we need to to look at the different perspectives we will see if we look at sponsor 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 like pharma biotech companies medtech we see more complex studies coming up more complex designs and yeah. um, platform studies so focus a lot on biomarkers and uh, very articulated way um, trials um, this will imply more complex negotiation for budget and contracts specifically uh, and especially budget uh, we're um, finding ways to expedite and leverage knowledge or leverage tools to expedite that, that negotiation. Well, creating the budgets right and accurate and aligned with the market will be the, the first point, but even doing a quick negotiation will be a big point um, that I'm expecting in 2024, some automation as well. Mm -hmm. If we look at this, the, the side perspective, I keep hearing that sites and reading about sites being still short-staffed. So looking at a way to reduce the burden on the sites will be uh, a big focus in 2024. This will mean um, having the standard templates so to reduce at least legal negotiation or, or leverage the knowledge where um, if we do recurrent negotiation with the sites, we can repeat the legal language or repeat, we, we know that sites have their internal tariff. What about leveraging that knowledge instead of starting the budget negotiation from scratch? Yeah. What we will see as well is a lot of push on the site networks. I mentioned that before, but a lot of sites are merging and creating these networks, whether uh, like 
merging formally as legal entity or forming um, partnership where they can leverage like one point of negotiation and budget and then a distribution of the budgets. This type of things I think will be very much pushed in 2024. Yeah. I see a lot of patient centricity as well. Um, there is a lot of, of talks about inclusion and diversity, the, the reach out of populations that may be underserved, uh, they may have difficulties in access, access treatments or may have difficulties in reaching a site and having options where patients may decide as well whether to go to the site or do the um, visits at home, that will be a big focus and this will yeah. have a consequence on how we negotiate the budgets because there may, there need to be a consideration of the different options that we may offer yeah and then there is a lot about how we leverage the available data that we have a lot of data available um I would say in the internet in the in the systems and how this could be leveraged to benefit site sponsor contracts and different things the, the with implication of that is a, a still a hot topic since 2018 which is the data protection yeah I, I would say as well that CROs have a role in this and how um, I see big CROs especially facing 20 starting 2024 is pretty diversified uh, we see some CROs focusing on partnership with sites and creating more networks, even acquiring sites that, and this again will reflect and would need to be reflected in contract and budget. But as well, other organizations are focusing on um, the still having technology implemented, like looking at platform for DCTs, the decentralized clinical trials, oh, yes. yeah. or platform for even expediting the process. I read where um, of a CRO who was looking at having a platform where site CRO and sponsor can communicate without inundating with emails, for instance. I see as well a big push for new technology and how to leverage artificial artificial intelligence we are not quite there yet so perhaps it's not something that will be concrete in 2024 but will drag in the next years as well yeah. from um from a contrast perspective, purely speaking, I'd really love to see uh, finally and get into, into more visibility for the contract excellence, contract and budget, where we will be looking at having new tools like technology again, but as well um, having new tools like leveraging more the data. A lot of CROs and sponsors have worked with the majority of the sites, especially in the key countries. So finding the ways and structuring a way where uh, we could have quick contract negotiation leveraging the data, how sites prefer to be contacted, how what fees they request, what language we can yeah. leverage. And as well, having this confidence and partnership with the clients, CROs and clients. Um, certain clients or sponsors, pharma companies may not be fully um, knowledgeable of all the changes or um, 
in the regula regulatory aspects or how different still the contracting space can be based on the country you go to. So having this kind of knowledge sharing where we could be, if you start more knowledgeable at the beginning and getting the confidence of clients, then you can negotiate faster, be more efficient, be more on time on, um, and then activate sites more quickly. Yeah. A lot about communication, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also finding the right stakeholders at site, right? Because sometimes uh, yes. I, I see that we contact uh, not the right person at the right time in the right place. And this can contribute, you know, to have a delay in our communication channel and in our communication flow. But at the same time, uh, uh, we can, uh, you know, mix things up. And uh, if we are not able to focus uh, with the right stakeholders on, on the things that matter, we can, you know, lose a little bit of time. And also we can lose... Uh, um, uh, the thread of the communication that we uh, trigger uh, with the site. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And and it's uh, I just wanted to add, because you mentioned the, the crucial importance of the site, um, having the right people, but at the same time, approaching them with something that is agile to negotiate. If you have like a 50 pages contract, then it will take ages for them to review it. Yeah. So it will be key. And having as well, I think sites as well have asked for, um, when I said the, the reduced burden, it means a lot as well, having less point of contact. So yeah. I would expect as well some reorganizations that would take more into account uh, the site centricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I would say is that, you know, we face changes all the time. This organization, this industry is very dynamic. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is that whenever we have changes, we do that in a structured way with a robust change management um, approach. Mm -hmm. This is because if, you, if we kind of throw changes and we have a lot in a short period of time, then we create more confusion if we don't manage and bring everybody together in a journey of change. And it, yeah. it tells a lot about collaboration, coordination, mm -hmm. and communication. Yeah, of course, in order to embrace this change, right? Yes. Uh, all together yes. in a consistent way. Yeah, yeah I yes. totally agree with you. Um, now, Chiara, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm so excited to see how this communication is moving forward. And uh, I have one last question uh, about you, Chiara, now that we uh, are in 2024. Uh, what is this year bringing to you? Do you have some projects or plans that you'd like to share with the audience? Thank you. It's an interesting question indeed. Um, a person that I work with and uh, I I do take into high consideration really taught me how to see new opportunities everywhere. And uh, with this in mind, I look at 2024 as new opportunities as every year. And I'm really, you know, I go back to my why and understand what is really, what a new opportunity could be for me. Um, I really think and believe that working in clinical trials in the new drugs in this industry can bring progress in the humanity. And the way I can do it and contribute is to look at the um, contrast pace and the startup pace and see how we can make 
processes more efficient, look at how we can share knowledge. There are, we are a lot, we are a big community of working in this industry and how we can provide trainings, sharing knowledge yeah. and contribute to overall improvement and more efficient ways of working. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you and uh, the power, you know, of the network and the knowledge sharing yes. and whatever we can do uh, really can have an impact uh, um, on, on, in the industry and on the humanity, as you said, because whatever we can do um, uh, affects and also has an impact uh, on, on the bigger picture or on something that is bigger than us. So I totally um, agree with you and I would like to share um, the, 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 the added value to have this vision, right, in order yes. to see ourselves as something uh, as someone that, uh, as people that are part of something that is bigger, uh, because yes. it's, it enables us to, to to see the big picture and also to uh, to 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 find the drivers that uh, um, keep us doing what we do on a daily basis. Agreed. I can't agree more. So thanks a lot, Chiara. It has been an enhancing conversation. I really, um, I'm really happy uh, to have you as a guest in the Maze Podcast. I'm sure that the audience will treasure the episode as I will, and uh, I cannot wait to see you again and to speak to you again. And uh, wishing you uh, all the best for this new year, Chiara. Thanks a lot for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and this conversation. So I'm really looking forward to collaborate with you again and and speak again. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.